Welcome to another edition of the SC Times Sports Report podcast. My name is Zach Dwyer, and joining me as he does every week is my co-host, Brian Mosey. Brian, we have a beautiful day outside. We were outside for spring sports yesterday. Um, I don't know. I have good vibes over here. I don't know about you. Great vibes. It's springtime. Well, spring, say that loosely, I guess. Um, but no, I mean, yeah, it was a great night. Went and saw baseball last night. Everybody was starting up their season. I think we were a little confused on how we were going to get scores and different things like that last night. It was a little, little iffy, but went through it, got through it. Now we're good. So, <laughs> well, yeah, we've not, neither of us have covered a spring sporting event here yeah. at the same club time. So we're a little out of practice or out of sorts, but yeah, um, it was still but, oh, a definitely a beautiful day. So I know. Yeah. We couldn't have, couldn't have asked for much better for that. So um, today, the main part of the show, we're going to talk a little bit about, um, those events or scores from yesterday, we're going to intersperse those throughout as we do all of our spring previews. Um, earlier this week on Tuesday, we did our all metros. We talked about all those for the winter sports, kind of a special edition of the podcast. And today um, we're recording this on a Friday morning. Um, we were going to record it Thursday and then just a lot of stuff came up yesterday with state high school league stuff for section placements. That'll, that'll be down the road. We'll talk about, um, and then all the events going on. So uh, we pushed this to Friday morning, but, with stuff happening, you know, first games, a couple teams that still haven't played first games in a few sports. Um, it seemed like as good a time ever to uh, kind of talk about these spring previews. Yeah, no, I think, I think this is perfect. Um, got a little bit of some, uh, got a little bit of some uh, looks at what these kids are able to do last night. Um, obviously it's the first game of the season. So you take those stats lightly, um, especially when it comes to playing in 30 degree weather as well. Um, but um, no, it seemed like quite a bit of some strong outcomes. Um, a couple five inning, five inning, 10 run rule games. Uh, we even had a walk off with tech, um, baseball. So, um, yeah, a handful of different things going on last night. And it's nice to see, uh, our podcast notes filling up with different stats and scores and stuff again, because I think I definitely missed it. And it's a little bit more fun to talk about when you aren't focused on just like one or two different teams. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's a ton of firsts. I mean, Tech had their first baseball game. They had their first track meet. Um, you know, teams were playing for the first time in two years. There's a lot of personal bests, all that kind of stuff that we were out at. So we'll talk about that later in the podcast. Um, first, we were just going to touch on um, the Huskies first um, at St. Cloud State, just because that was we haven't got to talk about that since um, a long time ago. Seems like I know <laughs> that's what it feels like. But yeah, it was just last Saturday that they uh, made their first appearance in the national championship game. I was there uh, in Pittsburgh with Dave Schwartz all week covering them. Um, had a thrilling 5-4 win over Mankato. And then they did fall short 5 to nothing in that championship game to UMass. So a little anticlimactic, but it still um, was just a super fun season and was even cooler to actually be out there and see them in person for that run. Yeah, no, and, and it seemed like seemed like Minnesota might have had a good chance of winning that national championship <laughs> But man, that UMass came through. <laughs> and yeah, no, I know it's, you know, that was always the talk throughout the whole tournament that, you know, five teams made it, three of the four in the Frozen Four. Um, people were excited back here and UMass put that all to bed, especially they beat Bemidji um, in the second round of the playoffs to get to the Frozen Four and then <laughs> knocked off Duluth in overtime. That was a crazy one and then completely blew out St. Cloud State. So they knocked out three of the five and the other two that had lost, um, it was games against other Minnesota schools 
um, that Mankato beat Minnesota and then St. Cloud beat Mankato. So um, they just ran the gauntlet. It was kind of crazy too, because um, when we were going out there kind of the week leading up to, to leaving when I was doing my preview, um, UMass, they had two of their best players were going to be out because of COVID protocols because um, of potential close contact. They thought they were going to be without them. Um, either they thought they'd be out without them the whole time, or they didn't want to say they'd be back until they actually won the first game. Cause in case they lost the first game, it wouldn't matter. Uh, but right after they won that first game in overtime, it was announced that um, they were going to come. And if they passed a couple tests, they'd be good to go for um, the finals there. And then they were able to, to play in the national championship. And yeah, they just looked, they just looked kind of on a different level that night in St. Cloud. They just, they didn't bring it that night, but you know, they brought it the rest of the season. So they also had a celebration outside um, Herb Brooks National Hockey Center on Wednesday. I was there and it was cool just to see all the fans a lot that probably, you know, didn't get to see them at all this year in person because of how limited the fan attendance was, um, but still get to kind of embrace how cool that run was. Cause just cause you get blown out in the championship game doesn't mean it's, you know, a lost season or the old playoff woes are back because they, you know, won three in a row to get there when they've only won five in their history and, you know, 30 plus years. Um, so it was just, it was a really cool uh, season to be a part of. It would have been more fun if, you know, it was packed stadiums every week leading up to it. But um, I think all things considered, it was, it was a great season. Well, and I think the main part is you got to look back at the very beginning of the season. I mean, first of all, we didn't even know if, a winter season was even going to be possible. And then they went to the Omaha bubble and did that for a handful of games. Um, and then you kind of thought, okay, this might be kind of it, you know, like uh, you have to quarantine and be a part of this bubble to be able to play. And that might have to be the way to do it. And then, then they were able to play at least every other or every weekend, they were able to have a game and I mean, St. Cloud State didn't get hit too bad with the quarantines, um, whether it was themselves or the teams that they played. Um, they only had to, I think, reschedule a couple couple of games throughout the regular season. And then they had a really nice run in, in the conference tournament. I mean, went over or went to the championship game, played UND, and that was obviously anytime you play UND, it's always a fun matchup um, to watch. And I mean, for me, I like I said in many other podcasts, I'm not like – a guru on, on, uh, hockey. And I don't know as much as other people in the state of Minnesota do. Um, I wasn't one of those people that was born with hockey skates on my feet when I was born or something. I, some people talk about that. I don't know what that means. So, um, but I'm, I mean, it was very impressive to watch. I mean, they were fun group to, they're just, the thing with them is they're just super fast. I mean, they, they would fly down the ice and they had such good puck control. Um, and, it was just a lot of fun to watch. And so, I mean, for me, like I even got my dad going out watching it. I mean, like, and we don't watch hockey a whole lot. So um, just being able to see all the different people that I never would imagine watch college hockey. Everyone was, everyone in Minnesota was because they wanted to see those hometown teams win it all. And unfortunately at UMass, it was their year this year, but it definitely makes people excited for next year as always. Yeah, you know, they they did come up against the brick wall of Philip Lindbergh in that final game who, you know, even crazier that he came back from quarantine not being able to practice for, you know, days and then comes up and posts a shutout in the national championship game. You can't do much about that. But, yeah, the thing is that um, UMass, they lost three to nothing in the championship game two years prior, the last edition of the tournament. And um, a stat that was going around, especially after this game, was I think four of the last five winners lost in the title game the previous year. So they lost in title game, come back the next year and win it. So 
if you yeah, have, if emotions are and expectations weren't already going to be high for next year, that kind of, um, you know, having that experience in the tournament just has really paid off for teams lately. It kind of lights a fire under them. I know Brett Larson, their head coach said, you know, teams have used it as fuel in the past, getting there and knowing that feeling of losing in that situation. Um, and they're going to be using that as fuel all off season. So really fun year, really successful year. They, yeah. Like you said, they played 31 games and they personally didn't, um, have any, you know, COVID pauses for two weeks or anything. Um, really impressive to have that kind of commitment and, you know, ability to, to not do a lot of other things for those four or five months other than play hockey and play it well. So uh, kudos to them. I'm sure they're going to be happy to actually see their families and go and hang out and stuff with other people outside their little bubble for um, the next couple of weeks, but I'm sure they'll be right back at it because uh, very dedicated, very focused group, but yeah, um, a historic season and it was fun that uh, got to be along for the ride. Definitely. No, I, I know you two had a great time in Pittsburgh and seemed like you guys were able to get some fun pictures and explore the, the city of Pittsburgh a little bit and um, kind of enjoy it, enjoy a few days, uh, a, a few days on the road. So. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't happen too often, especially just, um, you know, with most teams playing locally all the time, but yeah, it was cool to get down and, you know, I'd never been to Pittsburgh, get down by the water, see what they had in downtown too. It was, um, kind of prettier than I could have imagined. And yeah, it was just, was cool to be working on the road, getting to their rink too. I mean, there was only about, there's only about 4,000 fans at, um, in the semifinals and finals each, but it felt a lot more like what you've kind of come to expect from big hockey games. It did have that feeling, that nervousness, um, anticipation and the crowds going back and forth, all that good stuff. So, um, a really fun time and hopefully next year they can, be back to, you know, a full 20,000 watching those kind of games. Absolutely. I know I'd love it. So, well, good. Well, no, that kind of, that kind of wraps up the Huskies talk. Um, I think we're going to kind of try to transition into a little bit of some, uh, the spring previews that we were talking about earlier. Um, we're going to start off with baseball. Um, so glad spring season's coming up because this is like, your love for basketball is like my love for baseball. It's just so good. It's so nice to have the spring season. Um, but yes, so Cathedral, um, they are, along with a couple other teams, are kind of the the bigger teams to watch this upcoming season. Um, obviously, all of these teams lost their 2020 season due to the COVID pandemic. So um, a lot of your sophomores are kind of your leaders um, that are now seniors. Um, so it's just a little bit of a crazy. And I mean, if you talk to Zach or I, we've talked to coaches basically the last two weeks and all of them have said, we honestly don't know who to expect to step up because we expect our sophomores back in 2019 to be our leaders, which we wouldn't have guessed that for the world, you know? Um, and so a lot of these coaches are trying to figure out who's going to step up, who's going to take over. And, uh, you know, that's kind of the interesting part. Luckily, We've been able to have a couple of games under our belt or at least one game under their belt to see who is kind of those leading people. Um, but with C Cathedral, they finished the 2019 season 16 and six overall. Um, they return a couple different players. Um, the one guy that they returned that actually had a lot of varsity experiences, Ryan, Ryan um, Jansen. He's a shortstop for the, for the Crusaders. Um, he was batting first on Saturday for their first game. Um, and he'll probably be a leadoff hitter, or, you know, middle of the pack leader, um, or hitter. Um, and he's been very 
very good for them, um, both defensively and offensively. Along with him, um, the main question that is kind of surrounding the Crusaders is pitching, um, just the sense of depth and being able to have, because the problem with baseball is that you're on a pitching pitching limit. So you can only pitch a certain amount of pitches and then you have to have a certain amount of days off. Um, and so with them, that's going to be the big question is, is who's going to step up and take over the, that pitching role. Um, on Saturday, it was Andrew Rott. Um, he had a really good outing um, for the Crusaders. And then yesterday um, on Thursday, Stephen Ellingson was their starting pitcher and pitched, I think five innings, which was a very good start for them or six innings um, gave up two runs. So um, yeah, so it should be kind of interesting. They have good weapons. They beat little falls five, nothing on Saturday, um, a really good performance there. They lost to Foley two to nothing, but Foley's a pretty good team um, for baseball. So um, could be, could be a good season for the Crusaders. Um, you have Bob Karn as the head coach. Who's if anybody knows Bob Karn, I mean, he's, he knows how to get winning teams together and knows how to, um, make kids grow and, and progress as, as players. So, um, should be kind of interesting to see how that season goes. Um, the other two teams to kind of watch, um, regarding baseball is Albany and Ricori. They are, um, they're kind of middle of the pack. They finished 500 in 2019. Um, and both of them have some good assets coming back, um, as well as some players to kind of watch that haven't had that varsity experience yet. Um, the, the thing with Albany and Ricori is they have a lot of depth. So, you know, back in 2019, a lot of these players didn't play on varsity because of the fact that they have a lot of talent that goes through the system. So, um, they don't have like standout ninth graders that are going to take over a spot. They usually have juniors and seniors that are kind of taking over those. So with Albany, um, kind of your big, they, they have senior, they have, uh, I think six seniors that are on the team. Um, Zach Mortz, Ethan Navratil, um, Carter Thielen, Nolan Reuter, Will Mergen and Kevin, um, or Evan Kelkov, um, who all six of them are, very talented. Ethan had a great night um, to start off the season for Albany in an 11-0 win against Mora. Um, he went five innings with no hits, threw a no-hitter through five innings, had 13 Ks, which, I, wow, you can only get 15 outs. So, I mean, that kind of shows you where you're at with that. Um, but all of them have those skills, both offensively, defensively. They have a lot of depth. Um, head coach Al was kind of talking about how he doesn't really have an issue with, with pitching because he has the arms to be able to go four five, even six deep um, in some, in some weeks if needed. So um, should be kind of fun to see how they do. And then with Ricori, um, they have a great lineup coming back. Um, Brady Lynn is kind of the only guy that has varsity experience, um, but they have a lot of familiar names from the uh, football team that are joining the team. So um, you have Brady Blattner, you have Jack Spanier, um, you have Brady Lynn, Carter Thielen, um, Jaden Philippi. Um, so a lot of familiar names in, in that sense. Um, they beat Apollo last night, 16 to three in a very, very good game offensively for them. Um, Brady Blattner had a three run homer. Um, Jack Spanier went two for two with three walks. Um, and then Luke and Brady or Luke Humbert and Brady Lynn, they both each had two RBIs. So 
a really good lineup for them. Um, I would expect them to, to be kind of one of those contending teams for the conference um, with the amount of depth that they have. The big question for them is also going to be pitching. Um, they don't really have any returning pitchers back besides Brady Lynn. Um, and, but it seems like they have quite a bit of guys that are kind of stepping into that role. Yeah. And were there any other takeaways you had? You were at that game with Dave last night for recording versus Apollo. Was there anything else that kind of that stood out to you or you really were impressed since, like you said, you haven't got to see any of these guys play really on the diamond one or two, you know, with, uh, with, with town ball, amateur ball, but otherwise a lot of, a lot of new faces. Yeah, no, I mean, the, the biggest names that kind of stood out to me, obviously everybody kind of talks about Jack Spanier and, and his skills as a, as a shortstop. You definitely see it, saw it last night. He can cover the field pretty well. Um, he knows how to, he knows how to throw the ball over to first base. Um, he's very quick with his hands and he can also bat. I mean, he had a really nice, really nice outing. I think he had four RBIs last night um, and he's going to be a leader for this team. He's only a sophomore. And he's going to lead this team pretty well um, over the next co- course of the next three years. Um, but yeah, other than that, I mean, kind of your guys that you I, I've seen through amateur baseball with Brady Lynn, Luke Humbert, um, Brady Blattner. I didn't know much about regarding baseball. Obviously, I know he's a good football player, um, but I didn't know much about him regarding baseball. And he definitely stepped up um, last night. He he threw three innings um, last night and had a really good outing there. So yeah, I mean the Spartans have a lot of depth. They also were able to put in a quite, quite a bit of their players at the end of the game due to the, the lead that they had. So um, they have a lot of depth on their team and a lot of the kids can hit. So um, I think the the question for Jeff Isles is going to be who's going to start because I think he has a lot of good players that can, that could potentially start. And is there one or two players on any of the other local teams we didn't mention that uh, the people should keep an eye on? I know there's a couple of college commits on some of the other teams. Yeah. Um, so with uh, Sartell, Sartell, they have quite a bit of guys coming back. Um, the big name on the mound is going to be Chase Henning. Um, he's probably their ace, I would say. Um, he pitched last night for them and uh, had, a, had a good outing for them, throwing five innings, two runs, eight Ks. So a pretty good outing. Um, Sartell beat Alexandria 12 to two in five innings, but he's going to be a good guy on the mound for them. They also have Charlie Kent, Jackson Greenland and Kalen Lewis that are going to be kind of leading the offensive production. Um, so those guys will be pretty good um, to fill up the roster in a sense um, during those three, four, five batters. Um, as for tech tech will be led by uh, Matt Friesen, who's committing to the university of Ohio. Um, he's going to be a D one player for them and um, should have a really good season this year. Like I said, tech had a really nice night last night with a three to two win over Brainerd and in, in extra innings and in 10 innings um, had a nice walk-off win. Um, but I think they'll be pretty aggressive. Um, they, they love playing on their new field. Uh, <laughs> they haven't been able to play on it since they built the new school. So um, I think they're kind of enjoying that aspect as well, but uh, yeah. And then, other than that, I mean, Sock Rapids and Apollo, both of them kind of coming back after losing seasons, um, losing records um, in, in, in 2019, and they're kind of looking to try and rebound. Um, they have a handful of guys that are coming back, um, but it's just kind of too early to tell how that's going to form. So um, should be kind of interesting to see how things go. But, but yeah, those are kind of, that's kind of the roundup of, of baseball. Um, I wish I could talk more about it, but we'd be here for, I think a couple of days if I really wanted to talk about baseball. So. 
we would and we have about eight other sports to get to but um yeah if you want to read more about that just like with all of these spring previews have been coming out i think we have maybe uh, only one or two more to come out actually almost all are out already for these sports um are all out except lacrosse brian are all yours out already online uh no i have golf on on sunday so okay so yeah so we still have so lacrosse and golf to come out but all the other sports are already up on the website um just like the all metros, these are also going to be all subscriber only. Um, and we still have a deal, I think $1 for six months uh, for subscribing, which is just take it. Cause why not? You might as well. We're basically giving you the content at that point. Um, so yes, yeah, so I, I highly suggest that because you'll get to, to read about all the players, all the teams that we don't, we don't have time to mention here on the podcast and those, but, and on the other side, my main focus, um, especially in the preseason kind of here has been track and field because a lot of teams, a lot of names returning, and also a lot of uncertainty, kind of like we said, that's going to be a theme from every coach, every program, but especially in track where, I mean, usually it is the, you know, the juniors and the seniors and the majority of events are your ones going to state. And, you know, all those people are gone from two years ago. There's only a handful of people. There's probably only five, six people on any of our programs that have uh, competed at state before. Um, it's a really small list. So, um, that kind of made yesterday even more fun. I was able to get over to two meets yesterday. Apollo was hosting Sartell and Tech was hosting Ricori. So um, only, you know, I don't know the exact distance, maybe two, three miles apart, just hop on Highway 15 for about five minutes and you're at the next school, which it's nice when it can work out that way. Usually it doesn't, but it was weird because, you know, I've, I've been to a lot of track meets. I ran track in high school, but I've never been to a dual meet before. Um, the Central Lakes Conference is doing dual meets only during the regular season here just to limit how many people are on the track because of COVID protocols. Um, and it was really weird. I mean, there's no other way to really put it there. You know, there was relays where there was only one school that had their varsity and JV team, and that was all that ran. There was, you know, long distance races that they put guys and girls together just because it didn't make sense to only have one or two of them run like the two mile by themselves on the track. Um, it was, it was odd. I mean, there was hurdles where there was like five lanes of hurdles, not being used. There's only like two people running. It's just, there was a couple events that just didn't take place because there was no one competing in them. I mean, it was just, it was a really weird day, but overall it was still fun. Yeah. And I guess, I mean, when it comes, Zach did a really nice story on, you know, things that you need to watch when it comes to track and field, um, just because of how odd that sport is um because usually you, it's like an eight hour event that starts at like two and ends at like the you know dusk basically um but now obviously you can get done with them in probably a couple of hours um so i guess but you'd had a nice story out about um different athletes to watch and stuff i guess maybe kind of go through some of the highlights of who you think could be standing out and also from the results yesterday I'm sure kind of helps you a little bit with understanding who's going to be kind of those top runners. It really does. Especially when six of the seven teams compete on the same day <laughs> and all send me their results. That makes life a bit easier. <laughs> Thank you coaches. <laughs> yes. No kidding. But um, yeah, I think things ran relatively smoothly um, at most of these meets. Albany Cathedral also ran in Zimmerman um, yesterday and for the Granite Ridge conference that they're in, they're doing four teams at each meet because they have kind of smaller schools, smaller squad sizes so they made the decision to do four teams at each meet which feels a little more normal I mean that's a small meet but that's at least something you've had before I mean talking to these coaches they literally don't remember a time they've done a dual meet most of them and some of them have been there 10-15 years so um, it was odd but 
Um, there were a lot of names that stood out that have seen in a lot of other sports, a lot of, you know, two, three sport athletes that um, had big performances. One, the one that kind of impressed me the most was Noel Hackenmuller, who's a really good volleyball player for Apollo um, and also had a pretty good season in cross country doing cross country for the first time this last year. Um, she won all four events. She was in the hundred meter dash, 300 hurdles, long jump and triple jump. Um, but the, the long jump is what impressed me the most. She jumped 17 feet, four inches, um, which for that might just sound like a number to some, like not track people. That's like insane. That was the second, uh, longest jump in Apollo history. Um, looking back at this, the section meet two years ago, that would have won sections by like six inches, um, would have been top 10 in state at the state meet. Um, that's insane that she's starting off the season with a jump like that. Um, so, I mean, that's that right away, just like alerts go off. Like, yeah, that's someone to like keep an eye on as the season goes on. If she keeps improving that or sets the school record um, and only goes up from here, because that's usually how it works in track. It's not often you peak the first meet or two of the season. It's, it's kind of a grad, kind of like how swimming is too. It's, you know, kind of a gradual build to having your best performances around sections and states. So that was crazy. Also, I think she was the only person I saw that won four events yesterday. There was a couple two, three event winners because there's not many people competing. Um, she won all four. Um, the hundred meter dash was really fun too. A, a lot of familiar names, David Boyd and Rassi Ancino from Apollo and Ethan Torgrimson um, from Sartell all were under 12 seconds, which is a pretty good starting point for the year. If you're, if you're kind of low 11s, uh, high 10 second, that's where you want to be for like, you know, the section meets and um, potentially going to state. But um, David won in uh he had an 11, let me check here, 11, four, seven is what he had. So a good start. He also won the 200 and the long jump um, as well. And also for Ethan to, he just was, you know, at state wrestling a couple of weeks ago, had a really good run that we've talked about on here a couple of times um, at 220 pounds, then comes and runs an 11, seven and his first hundred meter of the year. That was really impressive to me too. You don't see guys that big, usually running, running the hundred or running that well. Um, so that was cool to see him too. Um, and from that Apollo start, tell me as well, um, a couple long distance runners that stood out. Um, Sam Brewer from, um, from the cross country. We talked about a lot in the fall. He won a ton of races and had a good section finish. Um, he had a time of nine fifty two in the two mile, which was the third fastest in school history. Um, and then Ingrid Buichegarama and Matiko Nuis, um, who were cross country and soccer in the fall. We've seen them. Um, they both won the mile as well, pretty dominantly. So um, those were kind of all guys from Apollo and Sartell too. They, they kind of told me to look out for before the year, um, guys and girls. And um, they, they definitely stood out in a big way winning, winning races yesterday. Yeah. And it seemed like there was quite a bit of, because uh, you went to two different races, you were able to see four different teams. Um, I guess just kind of talk about what you saw at the other meet and, um, what you were able to kind of, I guess, were there any highlights also from the Albany cathedral um, teams that sent you scores as well? I'm sure um, quite a bit of some uh, different people to look out for. Yeah. I'll start with Albany cathedral who, like you said, we just got results from, I didn't get to see them, but on Tuesday I'm planning to be at a meet at Albany where uh, those two teams compete. So I'll get to see them in person. But the, the big thing that stood out for Albany was their long distance success. Um, they won the girls four by eight, which um, is always a strong team for them. And also uh, Christine Kaltoff and Olivia Gable, um, two familiar names from cross country. They both won the two mile and one mile by 
you know, 20, 30 seconds plus um, really good years, really good times and start to the year for them. Grant Mayer is also a good cross country runner. He won the two mile in under 11 minutes. Um, and then senior Peyton Durkis, she won the shot put and discus too, um, to win two events. So some good starts for the Huskies, uh, cathedral, they won nine events, uh, six were on the girls side. Um, Carolina Driscoll was first in the 400 in pole vault and Hope Schuler won the 200 meter dash. And they both were in a four by two team that won by 10 seconds, which is crazy in the four by two. Um, so that, so both of them had pretty good starts to the year. Um, neither, uh, well, Albany tied for first on the boys side and they came in second by one point on the girls side. Cathedral was only a couple points behind. So pretty, pretty even, pretty competitive across the board. And that first Granite Ridge meet would be fun. Like I said, to, to actually see them in person, but, um, you know, most, most of these names are, like I said, the people taking first are the ones that the coaches actually felt confident in and telling me about before the season. Cause like I said, there's so much unknown, you don't know, but a lot of these people have competed on varsity for a couple of years, won races in the past. So, um, you kind of knew what to expect. Um, and at Recorian tech, which is where I went yesterday for that second half of the meet, um, a lot of winners on the Ricori side too, but a couple for tech, um, Garrison Murray, he was first in the long jump, high jump and triple jump. So won all three jumping events, pretty good performance by him. There was a couple other, couple other good runs on the track. Um, Eric Nicholas, uh, he had an under 57 second, 400. Um, also in the mile, Callan Murphy was under five minutes in the mile, um, for tech. So those were two big wins. Um, Vincent Caluza won the two mile for the boys for Ricori. He was a top 10 guy in sections in cross country um, and looked to kind of just pick up right where he left off from that season as a sophomore. He's running really good. Um, and then the relays, Ricori had, you know, there's a lot of relays tech didn't run in. So Ricori was kind of just running their AB squads and some, but um, still looked fast, had a lot of good handoffs, all that kind of stuff. Um, so, and they just had, it seemed like, especially on the girls' side, they just had a bigger squad than most I saw. They were really deep. They had, you know, five, six, seven people running in a lot of events that um, some of the tech only had one or two. Um, I guess, lastly, CC Woods, who was, um, as an eighth grader, she was in the section finals in both hurdles events. Um, she won both hurdles events last night, too, so starting off strong. So, yeah, I mean, could could go on and on, kind of like Brian said about baseball. I mean, there's especially track. There's, you know, 50, 60 people on each team can't get to everyone even that took first, especially in a dual meet. Cause there's so many fewer, uh, you know, competitors, but it was just really fun to get out there. I mean, I don't think in my career, I've literally covered a track meet, which is crazy, but, um, in college, I never really did that. We did, there was never really any home meets, um, at my college or not very often. Um, last time I was really like at a track meet was, you know, when I was still in high school. So it was just cool to get out. I mean, it felt different. It felt more like a practice at times just cause you know, some teams were the only one running an event. It, it felt a little odd. You didn't have the same camaraderie because teams kind of had, you know, stay in their camp a little more, or there's not, you know, 10, 12 teams running around and 50 heats going on. But um, overall it, it just was fun to be, to be back outside and, and seeing events go on. Yeah, no, I, I think our goal this year is going to try and get to all the different events um, and get photos of every single team. Um, I know we did that for the winter and, that's our goal for the spring this upcoming year. So kind of knocked out like four of them uh, yesterday for track. So, you know, and you've already got three for baseball. So we're off <laughs> to a decent start. And I know uh, even just today, you're going to be going to golf or you're going to lacrosse tonight. Um, next week, we're going to be hitting some other sports. Yeah, it's everything. You know, we had that we had kind of a week of buffer time with all those events getting canceled due to weather. And now it's 
it's kind of pedal to the metal, which is nice. Yeah, no, it's definitely a fun time, but, uh, well, good. Well, I think that'll kind of wrap up the first segment of, uh, this SC times sports report podcast. Um, when we come back, um, we'll be talking a little bit about softball as well as what the cool kids say lacks. Um, lacrosse for the rest of you. Yeah. Brian, I, told, the rest I, of you. I said lax to Brian earlier and he gave me a look like I spoke a different language for a second, but <laughs> yes, boys and girls lacrosse and softball after the break. So thanks for tuning in so far and we'll be right back. And welcome back to the SC Times Sports Report podcast. Uh, we're going to hit a couple more sports here on this next segment, softball and lacrosse. Brian, you want to start with softball? Just kind of, um, I guess, one or two teams that seem to be the favorites or you've already seen good things out of so far this year. Yeah, I think the big the big name is going to be Sartell. Um, they finished the season in 2019 with 16 wins, and they returned pretty much everybody except for two seniors that graduated. So um, if that tells you anything, means that they're good. Um, So they have quite a bit of depth. Um, Dave Dristy kind of said, head coach, um, he he even said that he's kind of a little bit like, I would say scared because he has so many good players. (laughs) And so he doesn't want to like ruin a girl's like season because they can't play as much. So I think he's going to be doing a lot of, you know, they there's with softball, there's a lot of double headers um, every night. So I think he's going to be trying to kind of switch girls out um, every game and try to see what people are able to do. Um, but yes, no, with, with Sartell, they finished 15 and eight, well, 16 and eight, sorry. Um, in 2019, um, they returned back quite a few familiar names. Um, the biggest, the biggest names are kind of right down the middle of the field. Um, they have Raina Stangle coming back as their catcher. Um, Camille Daughtry um, as one of their top pitchers. Um, Ava Williams will be the shortstop. And then Emily Hogue will be covering center field. So that whole center area is kind of the, the place that he's kind of focusing on and building around. Um, so that'll be kind of a fun one for them. Um, the other team to kind of look at will be um, Cathedral and Ricori. Both of them finished 17 uh, with 17 wins in 2019. Um, and with Cathedral, they have a new head coach with Todd. Um, Dingman, um, he's going to be, he's very familiar with the St. Cloud area. He coached a lot of youth, youth leagues and such, but, uh, now he took over the head coaching role for the Crusaders. Um, but he will be, they, they started off the season with a 15 to 14 loss against Mora insane offensive numbers. <laughs> um, also on a third, on the Thursday, when it was like pouring rain after three straight days of rain, not sure how they got that in, but <laughs> Kudos to you guys. <laughs> um, but then they, they came back. Um, they won last night. Uh, they defeated Foley 12 to four. Um, Sammy Dingman got her first uh, career start or first win um, in the pitching for pitching. Cat um, Bell is going to be one of the n- names to kind of look at. Um, she's been having a good start to the season as well as um, Kaylee Falconer, who, Cat Bell and Kelly Falconer were on the girls hockey team. Um, so those two will probably be names that you want to kind of look at heading into the season. And then with Ricori, that the Spartans are led by Bree Griffin, who is a university of St. Thomas commit um, who will be playing softball there. Um, but they, they bring back 
not, I wouldn't say like familiar names. Bree's probably the one that has the most experience from varsity, um, but they bring back a lot of talent that um, has been growing throughout the Recori program. And so um, new coach, new head coach, uh, Derek Sawyer, he's, um, he's loving the fact that this team has so many different options. Um, the big name along with Griffin is going to be their senior pitcher, Olivia Droddle, um, who is going to be kind of their ace this season. Um, and then the biggest thing that I'm excited about is that they have slap hitters, um, which are super fun because they make things really, really difficult for the opponents and for the pitchers, because all they do is just slap balls into the field and it's really fun to watch. So I'm excited to check out the Spartans, um, sometime here soon, because it sounds like they have quite a bit of some slap hitters that are going to be kind of fun to see. Yeah. And they, they were dominant as well last night. They kind of got off to, uh, them and Sartell just kind of got off to rolling starts. It seemed like. Yeah, no, Sartell got it to 11 to nothing and 13 to one wins against tech. And then Ricori, um, they were able to get the 12 to two and also 10 to three win against Fergus falls. So both very good outings for them. And just to kind of wrap up volleyball or volleyball, <laughs> softball, volleyball, right? <laughs> I was looking at, I was looking at the, 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 the softball preview and there's a picture of, Paige Meyer in volleyball because we don't have any photos of softball with her. So <laughs> that's why <laughs> I'll let you use that as an excuse. That's okay. <laughs> but um, to wrap up softball, Albany is also going to be a pretty good team. They actually had to take a couple weeks off um, from their games, push back their games a little bit because of how well Albany did for girls basketball, winning the state championship. They have like five or six girls from that team that are joining the softball team. So kind of hard to play a varsity game when half of your team isn't there. So um, they'll be play, they'll be starting up their season on Monday, but yeah, they have quite a bit of uh, some talent. They have six, six seniors that are going to be, or six returners from the 2019 team that are going to be kind of leading the charge um, for them. So a nice balance for the Huskies as well. And then Sock Rapids tech and Apollo, they are all going to be kind of trying to improve upon their 2019 records um, with Sock Rapids and, um, Apollo, a lot of new names, um, that aren't as familiar for, um, the team. And so trying to kind of get familiar with who these players are and what they're capable of doing. Um, Sock Rapids and Apollo played each other last night. Um, Apollo got the 16 to seven win against Sock Rapids, um, in the first game, but then Sock Rapids came back and won 15 to eight. So it kind of shows you a good a good balance between the two teams, um, some really impressive numbers um, and stats to start off the season. So hopefully that's the case as the season keeps going um, and, you know, get a few wins under your belt and kind of get that momentum going. Absolutely. And um, moving on from softball to lacrosse, um, you know, a sport that's still very new in the area. Mostly schools have only had it three, four seasons. And then all of a sudden you have to take a year off and adds even more complications. Also, I think there's a lot of, you know, um, you know, youth leagues that weren't really able to get fully going in the, in the, you know, in the spring, summer for a couple of reasons. So even the younger guys haven't, you know, even if they weren't on varsity before, they haven't got a bunch of chance lately to play either. So um, it's going to be a bit of a feeling out process, I think through these, these first couple of weeks, but um, we have three teams on each, the boys and girls. We have a St. Cloud co-op between uh, Tech Apollo Cathedral. We have Sartell Sock Rapids co-op as the Storm and Sabres, and then Recori has their own team um, for boys and girls. So 
Um, you know, going back to a couple of years ago um, in 2019, the only team that had a winning record was the St. Cloud girls team. Um, they actually have a couple members from that team that are back that, you know, actually had some goals. Um, they, have, they have four captains, Ella Murphy, Emma Herons, uh, Grace Miller, and Sophie Lynn. Um, and their coach, Greg Zanlow, expects them to, you know, um, you know, have, be able to have a decent season, can continue to be able to develop from where they were, and you're going to get a chance to actually see them um, play tonight. So that'll be good to, to kind of see where they're at. But one thing that, you know, he told me when I interviewed him this last week is already that, you know, they're already having to get creative with their lineups because both goalies are out due to contract tracing um, or, or quarantining right now. So um, Ella Murphy, who she usually, you know, she's a captain, she's usually an attacker. Um, she offered to go in goal. So she's been practicing in goal and they have like four games in the next like six days and she's going to be their goalie for him um, from when he last talked to me. So um, that'll be interesting to see. I feel like a lot of teams are going to have to deal with things like that, moving pieces around, especially um, a lot of the rosters just seem to be smaller this year. They're not huge on numbers, any of the programs uh, for the most part. So um, it's going to be interesting to see where people land, but uh, I think, I think we're in for a really fun lacrosse year. No, definitely. And it seems like, seems like uh, kind of numbers are staying consistent um, at least, especially here in lacrosse or in central Minnesota, lacrosse isn't as big of a sport compared to like the twin cities. And so I think that's the thing that people are trying to, to get is numbers going for lacrosse because um, it is such a new sport up here, but it seems like the numbers are kind of staying consistently near where they were in 2019 for most of these teams, which is good, especially losing an entire season. But, uh, but it seems like, you know, that team or players are starting to kind of like the sport and trying to learn more about it. And it seems like it's starting to hopefully grow a little bit more um, in central Minnesota. Yeah. And it's hard, especially this sport, even more than almost any of the others we talked to. I mean, there's some of these teams that they're literally like, yeah, we have no one that we have like one player that scored like, you know, two years ago, or we have like two players that started on varsity and the other, you know, half dozen don't anymore. They've graduated. There's not coming out anymore. I mean, it's, it's really a huge turnover. So it's talking to these coaches. I mean, a couple of them had, you know, their captains, three, four players, they know they can rely on, but um, it's going to be weird. Sartell, Sock Rapids, they have probably the most experience. It seemed like coming back. Um, they actually said, uh, Jake Saylor, their coach said they actually have their highest numbers he's had since he's been coached. They had about 45 players between varsity and JV, which is um, really good numbers for them. And if Aiden Hilger coming back, he had seven goals, led the team as a freshman in 2019. So he'll be back. Um, you know, they have Kobe Kiffmeyer, Avery Kuba, Carter Swenson. Those are captains. Um, a couple of familiar hockey names like Easton Portner from Sock Rapids and Quentin Sigurdsson from Sartell. So, um, you know, there are there are a couple of familiar names, some people that have played varsity, but not that many. So it's it's almost hard to even give a, a, a fully detailed preview on it because it's still coming. Um, the only team that has actually gotten to play so far this year um, was the St. Cloud guys team. They lost to Moorhead nine to four last night. Um, but freshman Connor Herons, he had two goals. Um, a couple other freshmen and sophomores, you know, had goals and assists. So it's not even necessarily the older guys that are, might be getting it done for some of these teams. It might be a lot of freshmen and sophomores um, contributing. I know a lot of people are freshmen and sophomore heavy this year just because it's younger guys that have actually started to kind of play the game growing up more because, you know, there's still guys in high school that are playing it for the first time and girls in high school that are playing it for the first time that are going out for teams. So once, once we get another five, 10 years down the road and people actually, you know, have been playing it since they're eight, 10, 12 years old, 
um, then I think we'll start to maybe see more of that competition with the Twin Cities and those metro programs that have been doing it for a long time. Yeah, no, it makes sense. I think anything else to add for lacrosse? No, I don't think so. I just know a lot of the local teams are going to be playing each other in the next couple of weeks. You know, Ricori facing the Storm and Sabres, St. Cloud facing the Storm and Sabres on guys' girls' side. Um, so next two or so weeks, I'm planning to be out at a lot of the different games as we get to get to see those local matchups finally take place. Definitely. Well, that's good. No, so, so that kind of wraps up the second segment of this podcast. Um, when we come back, we'll be finishing up all the previews, um, be doing girls and boys golf as well as boys tennis. Um, so make sure to stay tuned. Um, we'll be right back to finish up the podcast. And welcome back to the last segment of the SC Times Sports Report podcast. Today, we're finishing up with golf and tennis. Brian was the one that kind of led the way on both of these previews. Uh, Brian, do you want to start with golf? Um, I know there's a couple individuals and one or two teams on the guys and girls side that um, had a lot of success two years ago, and we're kind of expecting the same this year. Yeah, um, the big name for the boys side is going to be Logan um, Hammock. Or Hammock. Um, he's the number one golfer. He finished third in state last or two years ago. Um, and he is on pursuit to possibly win the state tournament this year. Um, he finished with a 73 yesterday in the first match of the season for the Sabres. Um, Sartell finished second as a team behind Detroit lakes in a big, uh, I guess, start to the season. It was like the bulldog invitational or something like that with like Becker um, at Pebble, Pebble beach. Um, but, uh, yeah, so he's definitely a name to kind of look at his brother, Lance. He's also a guy that you should probably look at. Um, he finished with a 78 yesterday. Um, and then basketball stud Mason Lund is on the team. Um, and he finished with an 82. So, um, a handful of guys on the team that are doing pretty well. Um, I think they should have a good shot of, you know, running the table a little bit. Um, but yeah, definitely keep your eyes on Logan. Cause he's, he's a, he's a guy to kind of watch quite a bit. Um, as for the rest of the boys golf teams, there, there's not a whole lot to report yet. Um, I'm going to be going out to rich spring golf course today um, to watch Ricori, Sartell, Sock Rapids, and then the Apollo tech co-op. Um, and that will give me a little bit of a better idea of how guys are going to be looking this season. Um, but, uh, as for the Granite Ridge side, um, Albany and cathedral, they played yesterday. Um, and they had a pretty good outing. Um, Albany finished first in the conference meet, um, with a 167. They only played nine holes. Um, whereas the Sartell played 18, um, and then Cathedral, they finished with a 172. So one and two, basically right next to each other. Um, Albany was led by Zach um, Cruiser, who had a 39 on the front nine, um, as well as Joe Hoff, who had a 39 as well. So those two are kind of the leading guys for um, the Huskies. And on the Cathedral side, um, Vincent Gubert, um, he finished with 42. And then Colin, Colin Hess finished with a 43. So um, both of those guys will probably be the leaders of those teams as well. 
Um, and then on the girls side, um, I have been able to talk to a handful of different teams, but, um, there are a couple teams that I wasn't able to get in contact with. So hoping to go out to a match here soon and be able to watch them in person and kind of learn more about it. Um, but kind of the big names, um, uh, is Brooke Lemke from, um, Albany. She is, um, she's returning. Albany had a really good season in 2019. And then I think four of the six seniors or four of the six starters on that 2019 team graduated. So now there's only two that are back um, from that team. And so um, it's a little bit more interesting, but Brooke Lemke is definitely a person to kind of look out for. She's um, she could possibly state be a state qualifier and such as well. Um, But Albany finished um, on top at Blackberry Ridge on Thursday um, with a 393 cathedral finished with a four, 415 right beneath the Huskies. Um, and those are pretty good outings for how cold of a weather it is and um, all the different factors that go into uh, the beginning of the season, unfortunately in Minnesota. Um, but Albany, along with Brooke Lemke, Sophia Anderson, Abby Thielen, and Katie Spanier, um, those three will be kind of the leading charge behind Brooke Lemke. On the cathedral side, Abby Dingman, she led the team with a 96 um, and then Peyton Mathiason was behind her. So those two will be probably the leaders of that team as well. So um, yeah, kind of a little bit of a rundown, um, but we'll probably know more as we get into next week and kind of get some more results um, throughout the next few days. Yeah. You know, we can, the coaches themselves and even us, we can only know so much when we're still just looking at, you know, two years ago or who we think is going to be good, but um, yeah, you know, definitely, definitely makes a difference. And then one of the only names that I can think of that didn't mention was Tucker Hokinson from Ricori, who's a former um, state qualifier as a sophomore. If he has anything like his football and basketball seasons this year, I would expect uh, pretty big things for him before he goes to stout next year. But um, other than that, I think you about, about hit all the main points. Um, Like you said, you're going to get to see boys today, hopefully girls in the next week or two. And for tennis for boys, which is the last sport we haven't touched on yet. Um, you know, less teams than some of these other sports, only, I believe four teams. Um, what should we know about that? Who are, who should we kind of be looking out for on the tennis side? Um, I think the two big teams are going to be cathedral and tech. Um, those two kind of seem like they have a few returners coming back, um, are that are able to kind of lead the charge in a sense. Um, Sartell is kind of having a little bit of a rebuilding season. They had a really good season in 2019, but then graduated quite a bit of players, so they're kind of rebuilding a little bit. They got a lot of young guys um, that are learning the basics and kind of growing from there. Um, Apollo Sock Rapids, that's a co-op. Um, they, they also have quite a bit of younger guys on the team that are going to be kind of learning quite a bit about the game of tennis as well. So those two teams um, are definitely in a growth season, I would say, um, for, for those two teams. But Cathedral and Tech, um, for them, they have a couple guys returning. Um, Grant Martin and Jonah Prom, they are both um, named co-captains for the season. Um, they should be kind of the leading the pack um, for the Crusaders. Um, they had a tough, tough match to start off the season against Pine City, who's a really good team. Um, they lost six to one yesterday, but um, definitely should be competing with the rest of the teams in, in the Granite Ridge and such. So um, definitely keep your eyes on those two guys for the season. As for tech, 
Um, they are they're being led by co-captains Andrew Plumbaum and Ben Nelson. Um, they and then on top of it, they also bring back a handful of players as well um, from the 2019 team um, with Emilio Estevez, um, Gavin Fenstead, Michael Plumbon, uh, Max Rudd, and Ripley Garden. So some familiar names from other teams as well. Um, I know like Max and Ripley, they played on the, on the hockey team and such. Ben Nelson was on the Albany skiing team. So a um, couple different familiar names, but should be, they should have quite a bit of some depth um, on the seat on the team with a lot of experience as well as some of some younger guys that are going to so should be kind of a good mix up to say the least um, for the Tigers. But uh, yeah, should be kind of fun to see how they do. Tech always has a pretty solid program every season as well as Cathedral. So it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, they do similar to what the girls did back in uh, the fall where they kind of made a little run in, in the section tournament and got to that state section finals. Um, but we shall see what happens. Yeah, and for Cathedral, Chandler Hendricks and number two singles getting um, the the only victory uh, for them in that one, a familiar name from a couple other sports too. So, yeah, there's you know there's a there's a lot to look at, a lot of names we went through today, um, but overall, we're just excited for games to still be happening. They're going to be coming a lot faster. It seems like um, kind of consistent with how the fall was. There's going to be a lot of games Tuesday, a lot of game Thursdays, and a couple fill-ins Friday, Saturdays, and Mondays, but. Other than that, it's going to be really heavy on those days compared to other years where it was spread out a little bit more. Um, so it's going to keep us kind of running around those days, trying to plan out to see teams we haven't this year so far those other days. But uh, overall, we're just excited to be back out there because, like we said, I mean, every game we're going to be wide-eyed basically just because it's going to be all new to us. Uh, we haven't seen these people compete in these sports, all that. So we're going to be kind of learning just along as everyone else does with so much being different than two years ago. Yeah. And a big, big shout out to all the coaches for their help um, with all these previews. Um, it's nice to have some coaches to be able to, you know, learn more about it because both of us are kind of going in blind um, for this spring season. And so very helpful for them to be able to let us know what's going on. Um, also to fans, um, coaches, whoever it may be, if you have fun stories, um, Zach and I are always on social media. Um, you can direct message us. Um, give us some cool story ideas. I know we have a few from the different coaches that have talked to us um, over the preview time, but um, it's definitely a fun time to to learn more about these individuals. And you know, you know them more than we do, probably. So be always nice. It's always nice to have some input from the from the fans and the different readers that are looking at our content. But um, but yeah, as always, you can check us out on sctimes.com. Check us out on Twitter. Um, Zach is at sctimeszach. I'm at at Brian Mosey. You can check out SC times on Twitter, uh, Facebook, Instagram. Um, and, uh, yeah, keep following us along. Um, some of our stuff will be subscriber only. Some of us, some of it will be metered. So just kind of depends on the different, uh, stories that we write, but, um, yeah, should be kind of a fun, fun aspect. And, uh, we shall see how the spring season continues. Absolutely. And yeah, next week we'll have a lot more to report on. On Wednesday, we're going to try to get back to that usual Wednesday podcast time now that, uh, you know, Huskies aren't playing all over the country and we have, you know, state tournaments, all that we can kind of schedule out our lives a tiny bit better now. It's a little more certain. So uh, we're going to be planning to be back here each Wednesday throughout the spring. Um, you know, there's still a lot to be decided with, um, you know, if teams are going to keep wearing masks throughout the whole year, um, how that's going to change. We have section placements coming up now. We finally, those were released today. So 
Um, there's a lot more we'll get to talk about next week on the podcast, along with all these weekly games and what we get to see out there from coverage. But uh, thanks again for tuning into this kind of deluxe spring preview edition of the podcast. And thanks uh, once again for all the support this far and also going forward. Uh, like I said, next week, be back to more of a normal show and get to that weekly coverage. So thanks again for tuning in and we will see you again next time.